And so as we get ready to um, hear our sermon, I want to just say that I forgot to mention this, but I've got a um, get well card for Pastor Dave that I'd like to invite all of you to sign after the service, and it'll just be over on the podium. And this morning we have the privilege of hearing our Director of Connections, Andrew Sisson, bring us the word. And um, we as a church believe very much that each one of us have been gifted in different ways and um, that we're to fan into flame the gifts that God has given. And so we have seen gifts to teach, and um, the board has felt the um, privilege and the calling of the Lord to invite Andrew and Mark in a few weeks to um, share a word from Scripture with us. And so... um, We're delighted to have you bring the word to us this morning, Andrew, and let's pray for him before he preaches. Lord, I thank you so much for Andrew. I thank you for the man of God, that he is the man of your word, and I pray that the meditations and the reflections of his heart would come forth, or the word that you've given him to share with us. Lord, would you bless the preaching of your word this morning, and would you bless us to hear your word through Andrew? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, church family. Uh, We are continuing our series on rest and resting in the Lord. And um, this morning in particular, looking at how rest and rest in the Lord bears fruit. We're looking and reading in John 15, verses 1 through 17. And sorry to take your job, Vic but it's 1676 in the Wu Bibles. (laughs) I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, so showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life 
to one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. This morning's text comes from the very end of Jesus' ministry. It's in what is known as the farewell discourse, or the final kind of conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. They've just uh, shared the Passover meal together. And uh, this particular, John 15, comes kind of in the middle of this conversation. It, goes, it kind of starts as early as John 13 and goes uh, to John 17. And the overall message that Jesus is sharing with his disciples is to remember everything that he has spoken to them. Everything that he has done among them, the healings, the preachings, the, uh, the, me- the very message that he's embodied. He's saying, keep the commands to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as you love yourselves. And he's saying, remember to go and make this message known to the world. This is my command. What he's also doing here, and just after, if we were to continue reading in verse 18 and more, he's using this time to warn his disciples that the message that they're carrying is not going to be received by the world. That many of them will be persecuted. That many of them will be tossed out of the synagogues and out of the cities. They will be hated for this message. And he warns them here to stand firm and remain in Christ. To not depart from the truth that he has made known to them. These are some of Jesus' very last words. And I want to camp out here this morning in this remain, in this fruit language. So that we really understand why Jesus is sharing this message and and sees that it's so important to them. And how it's equally as relevant to us today. So this word remain, it's used 11 times in these 17 verses. And it means to continue to be present with, to not depart from, and to, to really get to know. Jesus showed his disciples what it meant to remain. While he left the physical presence of being with his heavenly father, he left heaven and was born of a woman to be with us physically on earth. But he never left his father in heaven spiritually. He remained in him. So while Jesus was both fully God and fully man, Scripture tells us that he only did what his father did told him to do, what his father had commanded and willed for his life. In John 12, Jesus says, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all I have spoken to you. 
How else would he have known what his father was saying and commanding without spending much time getting to know him, much time in prayer, much time in his word? Over the past couple years, about, we did about a two-year span of going slowly through each passage in the book of Luke. And at the very beginning, if you think way back, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a stretch, if you think way back to Luke 4, we saw Jesus going to spend 40 days in the wilderness. This was before he went to start his, his ministry. He spent 40 days in the wilderness, just in prayer and in fasting, spending time with his father, knowing his father's heart, being prepared and strengthened for all that was planned for his life. He spent time in God's word. And during this time, we also saw that Satan came and tempted him. Satan came with the very word of God and tried to twist it to tempt Jesus. But Jesus knew his identity so much so, and he knew God's word so much, he knew the truth so much, that he could respond with the very words of God, with Scripture, and extinguish those lies so they did not fall into that temptation. Again, he knew this because he spent time with his Father. In Luke 5, we hear that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Matthew 14 tells us, after he fed the 5,000, it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And again, when Jesus is facing the biggest trial of his life, he knows that he's about to be arrested and he's about to die and be hung on the cross. We see him go to God in, in Luke 22 and ask his father for strength. He says, God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus showed his disciples what it was to remain in his father, even when he was not physically present with him. He remained so that he could be nourished and so that he could produce fruit. So we may ask what fruit was in Jesus' life. Well, we get a glimpse of this uh, in John 17. This is a paraphrase, but he says a few things. He said, I have manifested your name, God, to the people. I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus spoke God's commands to turn from sin and idol worshiping and to worship and love God alone and to love neighbors as they love themselves. He manifested and physically lived out the kingdom of God among his disciples. He showed them what it, that looked like. He loved people by healing them. He cried with people. He walked with sinners, invited tax collectors to eat with him. He spoke with prostitutes. And he made disciples who knew God's words and who would also manifest, who would also, also live forth and bring forth the kingdom love to this world. He spoke that Jesus is the Son of God. 
and that God is the only true God. There's only one way to the Father, and that was through Him. The disciples were Jesus' fruit. So why is this message so important to Jesus' disciples? Why in the last few moments that Jesus is with them, he was he sharing these things? He was just hours away from his death and only days away from leaving earth physically to be with his heavenly father. And he says, remain in me. Everything the disciples had known for the last three years of walking with Jesus was about to radically change. They had learned to depend on Jesus for everything. Now they would have to learn to depend on him without him being physically present. Their very survival would depend on knowing him, on remaining in him, remembering the words that he spoke, the things that he did among them, believing that the words that he spoke were the truth. They would have to trust in these words, the things that they saw him do, more than the things of this world, more than their natural perception of things. If they didn't remain in him, they'd be spiritually depriving themselves of the nutrients that they needed to continue this ministry that Jesus is handing off to them, to go and to produce more fruit, to go make more disciples in his name. This was serious. This is how that they were going to distinguish themselves as disciples of Christ and how others would know that if they weren't disciples of Christ, they were false teachings. They were false hopes. Now, many of you may not know this about me personally, but my educational background is in natural resource management or uh, environmental biology. And during my graduate school work, I watched a documentary called The Botany of Desire. It's by a gentleman named Michael Pollan. And this looks at, among uh, many things, or many different plants, it looks at the apple tree and how uh, the whole history of the apple tree as we know it. And while watching, I learned that the apples that we go and buy in the store today are very different from the apples thousands of years ago and the apples that grow wild. See, thousands of years ago, the only apples there were were mostly very bitter and they didn't taste good. We didn't like to eat them. Similarly, I don't know if you've ever gone for a walk in the woods and you've come across an apple tree. I I have. I like doing that kind of stuff. And I'm really excited sometimes. I grab them and I taste them and it's often really gross and and sour and tart. (laughs) Well, but it's not always. Sometimes you find a tree that maybe um, was part of an orchard, and and it's good. But similarly, uh, man found the occasional good apple. They found the the tree that was producing good, sweet-tasting fruit. And they found ways to actually replicate that. Now see, if you, they couldn't just take the fruit because if they had taken the fruit and taken the seeds out of that and planted it, that tree would actually have grown. There's seven or eight different seeds per apple. And that seven or eight different trees to grow would produce seven or eight different tasting apples. So you couldn't just take the fruit and plant it. 
they had to go back to the original tree. So we found how to replicate that original tree to make really good tasting fruit. And this was really interesting. The most interesting part about this to me was that of all the the variety of apples that we can buy in the grocery store today, we can trace those good tasting apples back to only five or six good parent trees. Only five or six trees. So with the Honeycrisp, my personal favorite, and I'm sure for many of you, we can trace it back to one tree. And we can say that's the true Honeycrisp apple tree. Similarly here, Jesus opens this message with, I am the true vine. I am the one that the whole of Scripture, that all the prophets have been pointing towards. I am the true vine. If you want to be nourished, then you must remain in me. Following any other person claiming to be the Messiah will only lead you to death. All other trees will produce bitter fruit and bad fruit. But if you remain in me, if you get to know me, you will produce good fruit. Fruit that will last. If you come from me, you will produce fruit like me. That can be traced back for generations to me. Let me nourish you so that I can produce that fruit in you. You see, many Christians' lives today aren't producing fruit. They're not making disciples because they're still operating out of our old self before we knew Jesus. We're operating independently of the vine. Jesus says if you're not part of the vine, you won't produce fruit. So when we operate out of our own independence, we're not trusting and remaining in him and letting him, the truths of his, his love, change our lives. Or maybe for others of us, we're producing some fruit, but it's not much fruit and it's not producing other good fruit. The disciples that we're making aren't going on and making more disciples Well, maybe this is because we're not remaining in him. We're not showing the disciples that we're making, the people that we're pouring into, what it is to know God, what it is to be in his word, what it is to worship him, what it is to be filled and strengthened with joy and hope from Jesus. Because when we remain in him, the people that we are discipling, the people that we're pouring into will see what it is to know him. And they too will do that. We aren't often living like we've been adopted into the family of God. Like we're a part of the true vine that brings nourishment to our souls. Oftentimes we try to be nice to people. We try to help them and we volunteer over here and we give money over there or we spend and fill all of our time doing seemingly good things. There's some of us, we may go to the self-help books to try to find and discover who the better or best me is. 
Or we go to yoga classes and we practice meditation to find peace in our lives. But we forget to remain in God's love and rest in Him. We don't actually know His words. We don't believe that He is our peace. We often tend to resist resting in His love, trying to earn His grace They're being overly busy by doing these good things. These things of the world are false vines. They're false hopes and false promises. What we forget to do is the only thing that gives us hope and life. And that's go to God. To spend time getting to know Him. When we do, He empowers us. He changes us. So here's the good news. Christ has already adopted us. When we ask Christ into our heart, when we say, Jesus, sit on the throne of my heart, when we acknowledge that He is Lord, that He died for our sins, He cleanses us. We're already clean. He makes us new and we become a part of His vine. He grafts us into His vine so that we can be nourished by Him. Jesus told His disciples this. He reminded them of this so that they would not worry. He says, You are already clean by the words I have spoken to you. In verse 16, He said, You did not choose Me, but I chose you so that you would bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is really good news for us because it's not about earning His love. It's not about earning a spot on His vine. It's just about producing fruit and glorifying Him. He chooses us. He makes us clean. This is a beautiful gift. Craig, he says you're already clean. You don't have to work hard. For it. You don't have to work hard to earn forgiveness. He wants to give you joy. Lori, he says, come to me. He says, Tammy, rest in me. Lindsay, know me. Remember and trust in my promises. He says to each of us, Come, get to know me more. Remain in me and my joy will be in you and will become your joy and you will be filled. What Christ is offering is so much greater than what the world is offering. He wants to fill us with joy and with life. How often do we spend time in God's Word getting to know His promises and His character? How often do we stop what we're doing to draw away to that lonely place and pray? When the enemy tempts us, can we respond and extinguish the lies that he's speaking over us with the truth of God's word? Do we know him well enough that when people look at the fruit in our lives, they can can trace that fruit back to Jesus? Friends, God is calling us. He is reminding us and inviting us to remain in Him. Because He wants to fill us 
and nourish our souls. He wants to set us free of the striving. He wants to speak gently, and He does speak gently His love over us. He wants each of you to know Him so much that we couldn't help but making Him known to the world. I want to pause just for a moment because I don't want anybody to leave here today thinking that this is just a message for the pastors or it's just a message to those who are, who are doing full-time, working in full-time ministry. It's not. It's for every single one of us who call themselves, who call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ. If we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, this message is for us. produce fruit, that he may be glorified. But again, we don't have to strive for this. You might ask, but how do I do this? His word tells us all we have to do is ask. Ask anything of me and I will give it to you. When we remain in him, we can ask him for anything. Asking is just praying. And I read this week uh, this, kind of, this commentary on this particular part. I wanted to share it. It says, Prayer is the turning away from ourselves, relying on our own strength and striving and putting our confidence in ourselves to find rest and confidence in God. That He will provide the help that we need. So this is a matter of surrender. It's a matter of discipleship. If we really love Jesus and we want him to be the king of our hearts, we need to get to know him more. I want to leave you with a a brief story. Uh, In the first summer after my freshman year of college, I got this amazing job working for the Alaska State Parks. That may be only amazing to me. But <laughs> I really love the outdoors. So I got a job working for the Alaska State Parks where 40 hours a week I was in a remote wilderness. So you could only get to a 45-minute boat ride across the sea. I was in the mountains, uh, just com- very secluded. My job was to, to clear trails, and so I had, cut, I had to carry chainsaws, 80 pounds of gear, on average of 30 miles a week, and cut down trees that had fallen over the trail and clear them. I was doing this with 12 other people around my age. I was the youngest one. I was the only person uh, who was under the drinking age. And I knew this going into this this summer, that I was going to be pretty much by myself. I knew that I was the only person that believed in God. And I knew that if I didn't spend time in prayer, if I didn't remain in God, getting to know Him more, nourishing my soul then I would likely fall away because I had been really close to that point just nine months earlier when I didn't have any community. I was very depressed and I had to cry out to God and he surrounded me with community. So going into this summer, I had my community praying for me. And when my coworkers and friends at the end of a long day of working were sitting around the campfire and and sharing stories and telling jokes, I retreated to my tent or I went on a long hike I climbed a mountain and sat on a cliff and I prayed and I read through his word. 
I worshipped him. I went on long walks. The sun sets in Alaska at this time of year were like four or five hours long of just all different colors, absolutely breathtaking. And I would go on long walks and just praise God. I was remaining in him for one of the first times in my life. And I can look back at that time and see that God worked through me. He began to produce fruit in my life because of how much I remained in him. I didn't have to, to seek out people. My coworkers started coming to me and asking, what's this joy that I see you have? Who's this Jesus that you're always reading about? Jesus started producing fruit in my life simply because I trusted him, because I got to know my identity in him, because I trusted in his promises and let him use me. When we remain in him, he is faithful to remain in us. And when we ask him to work through us, he fills us with his Holy Spirit and gives us the wisdom and the words to speak encouragement over our friend who's depressed. He gives us the power to pray healing over our brother who struggles with alcoholism or over our sister who has a drug addiction. And he gives us the boldness to speak to coworkers or to stand up in front of people, in front of a world that is ever saying there is no absolute truth, that Jesus is not real. He gives us the boldness to speak truth so that we will not grow weary. And he fills us so that our lives produce fruit that lasts. When we remain in him, the world will know that we are his disciples and that Jesus is the true vine and God will be glorified. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have chosen us and that we don't have to strive for these things. We don't have to strive for your joy. You just welcome us into your embrace. God, today, would you show us where we're not remaining? What we're doing instead of spending time with you? And would you draw us near? Would you remind us and show us of your love? Would you remind us that you crafted us in our mother's womb and that you have good plans for us? And God, would you be glorified by the fruit that's produced in our lives? Thank you, Jesus.